Well, good afternoon. Uh, today is Wednesday, May the 5th, uh, Cinco de Mayo. Uh, it's hard to believe that we're already uh, into May. So uh, I was talking to somebody just the other day, and they were they were talking about how long it took for us to get through uh, 2020, and it just seems like uh, 2021 is, uh, is already flying by. We're uh, getting close to the halfway mark already uh, in this year. But good things are happening. I uh, appreciate you uh, joining me for our time of study here uh, tonight uh, and or whenever you're listening to this. I really appreciated Mark Rogers filling in for me last week as I recovered from uh, my surgery, and uh, I'm glad to be back uh, with you today. He did Psalm 73 last week. You can go back and uh, watch that and listen to uh, uh, what he had to say there. Uh, but today we're back in uh, John's uh, uh, first letter, First John, uh, we're going to be looking at chapter 2, verses 7 through 14. So if you have a copy of God's Word uh, in your hand, uh, open it up there, and you can follow along. We're just going to try to walk through these verses together for just a couple minutes uh, this afternoon. Uh, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll jump into what God's Word has to teach us this day. Father, I come before you right now, and I do thank you so much for, uh, for who you are and uh, for who we can be and who we are in you. Uh, and Lord, as you uh, inspired John to write these words to uh, to his church um, 2,000 years ago, uh, how he encouraged them and challenged them in their uh, walk with you uh, so that they could make an impact in their world. Father, these truths are, are evident and real in our lives as well. So I pray that we'll learn the principles from uh, this truth, what you would have us to learn, uh, and then not only what we, you would have us to learn, but how you would have us to apply that to our lives. Uh, let this be more than just head knowledge. Uh, let this be uh, heart uh, knowledge and heart adaptation so that we can live out our lives to bring glory and honor to your name. We thank you, Father, for loving us. We thank you for uh, leading us and guiding us as we study your word here uh, this day. It's in Christ's most holy name that we pray. Amen. All right, so 1 John chapter 2, uh, we're going to be looking at verses 7 through uh, 14 uh, together. And uh, John, again, just like any letter that we write, uh, he had some different uh, themes and different things that he was addressing. Um, but he's writing these letters to two churches, to real people. He didn't write with a chapter and verse like we have, uh, but uh, I'm glad we have chapter and verse so we can kind of divide this up a little bit more easily. But uh, don't forget what he has already talked about and what he has already shared. And, and, and what he's done up to this point uh, in this letter is he has uh, affirmed the fact that uh, he has a personal relationship uh, with Jesus Christ, that he actually walked with Christ, um, lived with Christ. He's, he's encouraging the people to believe and trust in his testimony about that relationship that he had with him, uh, and then he wants people to experience that same fellowship uh, that he has. So he's, he's wanting this church to, uh, to know Christ, to love Christ, and to faithfully follow Christ. And, and part of that uh, is to, to be honest with God, uh, actually honest with ourselves and, and honest with God. Uh, the verses we looked at prior, uh, just prior to these, uh, John talks much about uh, uh, truth, truthfulness, and, and, and lying, and, uh, and and not needing to lie to ourselves. Some of those uh, verses that a lot of people will will know and memorize. John, First John chapter one verse nine is one that many people memorize, uh, which is just that uh, uh, if we confess our th- sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Uh, Either side of that verse is we need to be honest with ourselves about sin. Don't you know? If we claim to be without sin, we lie to ourselves. Uh, and then the other side of that, verse ten, is if we claim to be without sin, we're making God out to be a liar. 
so, you know, sin is a part of our life. Sin is a part of our world, even as believers, even as people that trust in Christ as our Lord and Savior. Uh, and then he goes on in chapter 2, the verses just prior to what we're going to study here, talking about the fact that we have an advocate. You know, John's saying, I don't want you to sin. There, there's no um, rationale for sinning. Nobody should ever say, well, I, if I'm going to sin anyway, you know, I'll sin more so God can forgive me for more. That's dealt with in other places in Scripture. But he says, I don't want you to sin, but if or when you do sin, we have an advocate that will speak on our behalf, and that is Jesus Christ, who gave himself up uh, for our sins as he died on the cross. So that that's what couches where we come to here um, in our study today. Uh, so let's look at uh, verses 7, start in verse 7. I'll read all the way through verse 14, and there's really two sections in here, verses 7 through 11, uh, and then verses 12 through 14. In fact, if you're looking at a copy of God's Word, usually verses 12 through 14 are are set off because uh, this is more poetry uh, in what John writes here, uh, rather than just the, the prose that makes up the majority of his letter. So uh, as, even as I'm reading, try to make that uh, distinction. You can, you can kind of hear it in, in how he writes here, but these are connected together. So 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 7. Behold, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you heard from the beginning. The old commandment is that the word that you have heard it is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Uh, so as I said just a minute ago, there's two basic sections uh, to this as we as we look at this. Uh, the first one is a, a call to commitment here in verses 7 through 11. And then basically, we won't have time to really uh, delve too deeply in picking all this apart, but in verses 12 through 14, uh, we see that John is uh, reminding the church uh, and exhorting the church in their, their Christian faith, in their Christian walk. Uh, remember, the premise that John has set out at the very beginning uh, of this letter to this church is that he wants the church to experience the same joy. For their joy, for his joy is not going to be complete unless they get that, because he wants them to experience the fullness of the joy uh, that he has uh, in Christ, and others can as well. And so here he is calling them to, to be committed to the faith, be committed to to Jesus Christ, and he, he couches in the idea of this, this isn't a new commandment, you know, it's, it's the old commandment, but it is in a way, it is a new commandment, it is something new as you progress and grow uh, in your Christian faith and your Christian relationship. So verses 7 through 11 basically talk about a, a call to commitment, uh, and as I thought about this, uh, what came to my mind was the, the term mission drift. 
Uh, I came across this term several years ago now. Um, came across it, I think, in a in kind of in a military context. Um, they understand what this what this means, but really, it's it's any organization, any entity, or even any individual can do this. Uh, when you go to, to to accomplish something, when you go to do something, there is a certain goal. There's a certain outcome that you want to uh, achieve in that. And if you're not careful, uh, you know, after either after achieving that goal or when you get part of the way to that goal, uh, you can slightly drift off course from what that original mission was, and it can grow into something bigger. Uh, it can take a, a direct a different direction than you thought it would take, uh, but uh, you don't stay on that same task and that same mission. The church today and the church every day. Uh, we are on mission, and that mission uh, is to, as we stated here at, a, at Emmanuel Baptist Church, the third part of our purpose statement, uh, is to impact our world with Christ's redemptive grace. Uh, that should be at the heart of everything we do, uh, is making, sharing God, the, the truth of, of God's knowledge with other people, nurturing relationships, so that we can interact with others. It's uh, been kind of couched in the term of IFU over the last year and a half now, uh, which is just intentionally focusing on others. Um, but even there, it's intentionally focusing on others to in order to create biblical growth through relationships. So our mission is to love God, uh, and the way we live out loving God is by loving each other and reaching out to to others. That's our mission, is to impact our world of Christ's redemptive grace. Even as we relate to each other uh, as believers, we're called to uh, bring others in, to, to, to relate to others, and there's many ways that we do that here uh, at Emmanuel Baptist. But here, John, is just really reminding the church of their mission, what they are truly committed to doing and and, and who they really are. Uh, And the church needs to be continually reminded of this. Uh, We as people, we tend to forget. Uh, I I once said that, you know, we as people, we leak. Uh, Somebody didn't really like that phrase, Uh, but but we do. Our our minds leak. If we're not careful, we we, we lose what we don't remember. And that's why holidays are so important to us uh, and anniversaries, uh, times that we remember certain events in certain places. Uh, We put those on our calendar and we're reminded of those things so that we don't forget because it's easy to get caught up in doing other things. Uh, And so here John is saying, I I'm calling you to commit to following Jesus Christ and doing all that you're called to do, and, and that's what he meant by when he talked about uh, the old co- or the old commandment and the new commandment. Uh, he, he says, really, what I'm writing to you is not anything new. Uh, I'm writing to you basically what is just Jesus 101, uh, the the basics of what it means to be a believer and to uh, walk with Christ. Uh, That's what we started out on, is that you've got to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Uh, You put your hope and faith and trust in Him, uh, and that carries on everything else. But he says it is new in the sense that we do grow in that relationship. Uh, and, and and as we live in the world, and as the world changes, uh, and as the world becomes different, we have to recommit to that old commandment um, in some new ways as we stay focused on him. So as we think about this real quickly, what is the foundation of the Christian message? Uh, if I were to ask you uh, one verse in Scripture that sums up what the gospel really says, 
and most people know this right off. Um, even if they don't know what it says, they've seen signs, uh, and they've at least heard the, the Scripture reference, and that is John chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, the essence of the, the Christian message, the essence of the gospel is God's love toward humanity. Uh, John 3.16 simply says, For God so loved the world that he gave his Son, he gave himself to the world so that anyone who would believe in him, anyone that would put their faith and trust in him, doesn't have to perish but can have eternal life. That, that's the essence of John 3.16. That's the essence of the gospel, is that Jesus Christ came to save the world. Um, Paul puts it a little bit differently, but really just builds off of John 3.16 in, in Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, in the first two verses there, uh, Paul says, Therefore, talking to the church, to the believers, he says, Therefore, be imitators of God. Uh, do what God did. Uh, imitate his actions. Imitate his love. Um, he says, Be imitators of God as beloved children. As we walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Uh, again, just reemphasizing what uh, John has said even in this uh, letter, uh, emphasizing what John wrote in his gospel, John chapter 3, verse 16, uh, telling us that we are called, our commandment is to walk in love, and not just any love, not, not the world's definition of love. You know, a lot of people talk about, well, just love each other. Well, what, what does that really mean? It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Uh, our context is the example of Christ's love how he loved us. And how did Christ love us? Again, it's been said in this letter. Uh, it was said here in Ephesians. It's uh, said uh, in John chapter 3, verse 16, God showed his love for us, Christ showed his love for us, in that he gave himself up for us. He went to the cross. He came and died, lived the life that we could not live, was born as a baby in a manger, uh, grew up uh, in a home, was obedient uh, to his parents, was obedient to uh, his heavenly Father, to, to God the Father, uh, lived the, the perfect sinless life, and then died that perfect sacrificial death. Um, he didn't deserve to die, but he died for us. He gave himself up for us, uh, and that is what paid the penalty for sin. And then he rose from the dead uh, to show us that his power and to show us that when we put our trust in him, we can have that same kind of hope and same kind of life. So uh, that's at the heart of this old commandment and new commandment is to love like Christ loved, to do the things that he did. Uh, that, that's why he talks about the Christ being an advocate there at the early part of, of chapter 2. Uh, we have an advocate that speaks on our behalf. He gave himself up as a propitiation uh, for, for our sins. Uh, Daniel Aiken, I think, had a good comment on, on these verses, and let me just read you uh, part of what he wrote uh, in his commentary, or commentary he wrote on this. He said, finally, this command, talking about this new command, uh, this command is new, because for those who believe it makes possible a new and eternal life in which they are motivated by the grace of God to fulfill the law of self-sacrificing Christ-like love. Uh, the old commandment is love God, give, give your heart, your soul, your everything to Him. It's a new commandment in the sense that it makes it possible. What Christ did for us makes it possible for us to be have a, have a different motivation, 
not a self-serving motivation. Uh, oftentimes, people do loving acts because of what they receive from it. Uh, and again, they can be doing good things. They can be doing kind things. Uh, but there can be a self-fulfilling uh, motivation behind that. Uh, what we're called to do is we are motivated by the grace of God to be self-sacrificing, just as Christ did for us. Uh, that's the newness of this commandment. It's, it's, it's not new in the sense of uh, God has all of a sudden gone to plan B uh, in, in how we need to live our lives or how we need to relate to Him, uh, but it is new in the sense that through Christ uh, we can be motivated by His grace to make a, a difference in the world around us. And so as we think about that, again, whenever I study God's Word, uh, whenever I look at uh, passages of Scripture, I always ask myself, why? Uh, why did this author write this? You know, what, what was the need behind uh, writing this passage, especially letters, because uh, letters were written to people, to real situations. The, uh, the author of that letter is trying to encourage them in some form or fashion uh, and, and motivate them, addressing issues that they have. So we need to ask ourselves why, and, and not just why, uh, but why these words or why in this way. Uh, and so here John is writing to the church, and he's saying, I, I want to remind you, um, and I want to challenge you uh, in this commandment that, that you're supposed to be following as believers in Christ. He's writing to believers, he's writing to people that are part of the church, and he's writing to encourage them in this. Uh, and, and so, obviously, there was something that they had gotten off track. They had uh, skewed that that relationship. And so just think for a minute. Uh, I'll give you a couple real quick things for you to kind of think on. Um, but how can or how has the church, God's church, drifted from this truth? Uh, I put in my questionnaire in the past, but even right now, how can we be drifting um, away from this truth? And I asked that question earlier today, and the answer, the first answer I got is uh, that we can focus too much on our preferences. Uh, and and we can. We can oftentimes focus on our preferences over the godly principles that were given in Scripture, and, and we can let those override, or we can let our preferences become what we think is God's principles. Uh, and so we need to be very ca careful. Again, uh, at the heart of this letter, at the heart of the gospel, is self-giving, self-sacrificing. Uh, and so anytime that we start thinking too much of our faith and, and what we do in terms of what I get out of it, and again, we do get much out of uh, our, our walk with Christ and, and the many blessings we get, but when that becomes the motivating factor of how is this going to impact me, what, what can I get from what I'm doing here, then we are drifting that mission drift happens from being, how can I serve God? How can I relate to Him and bring others to know Him to how can I be comfortable in God or what can I get from God? Uh, and so we need to be very careful uh, about that. And I think that's one of the major things. Uh, a second one that I put down uh, is protecting and I put that in quotation marks, protecting the truth of God. And what I mean by that is, again, we are called to guard the, the gospel that we've been entrusted with. We need to make sure that it stays true to what Scripture says, not what uh, our ideas are or uh, what the culture says it ought to be or shouldn't be. Uh, so we've got to guard that. Paul very clearly tells that to Timothy, and he tells other believers uh, uh, the very same thing. So what I mean by protecting the, the truth for God is us 
us, and, and this goes along with preferences again a little bit, but us thinking that we have that knowledge, that we have somehow what we know is the truth, is the, uh, is the only truth. And again, i got to be very careful in what I say here. There is only one truth, and that is God's truth. Uh, but we have to be discerning of of who we are and and where we are, uh, and that's every believer uh, always checking to make sure that we haven't drifted from uh, what Scripture actually says, because our culture, uh, our experiences, uh, our again our preferences, all those things can have a factor into how we view Scripture, and so we ought to be challenged on a regular basis. If everything that we know and do, um, and we equate God with that, um, you know, we, we ought to ask ourselves, God is bigger than us, and God should be challenging us uh, each and every day. We should be growing in our knowledge of who He is. Um, and that doesn't mean we can't know truth and we can't be sure of our salvation, but it does mean uh, that this is a, a lifelong journey uh, of understanding who He is and where He is. So here John is, is encouraging the church uh, to stay uh, focused on on the gospel here, and he says, "I've given you a new commandment." And so, what specifically uh, d- does he say here? And we'll just touch on this for a minute, then we'll move on to the last couple verses here. But here is is what he says in verses nine through eleven. Uh, the 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 specific concern that he has is of believers claiming one thing uh, that they are living in the light, but doing another thing and that is hating their brother, hating fellow believers, hating um, uh, mankind in in, in general. Um, If we're going to be truly living in the light, then we are going to be loving others. That that should be our motivating factor. Uh, So when we think about what what John is saying here to the church, and the church must have been struggling with this to to some degree of of what this looked like, Um, and again, we don't have a lot of time here to to delve too deeply into this, but it is possible that there are people that have their name on a church book uh, as a member, but their name isn't in the book of life, Uh, because one of the factors, one of the characteristics of true believers should be a love for others. Now, that doesn't mean you agree with everybody else, and it doesn't mean you condone everything that they do. Uh, There is a place uh, for believers to stand on the truth and to say that what somebody's doing is wrong, uh, that uh, uh, how they're living is not right, it's out of step with God's Word, but we need to be very careful that we don't let that delve over into uh, a hatred for that person. Uh, again, I know it's somewhat trite. Some people uh, want to contradict this uh, uh, saying here, but uh, we do seek to love the sinner but hate the sin, and that should be true for us as well. We should always hate sin. Uh, so we should, that, that should be a constant struggle. And there is much truth in that. So if you say you're walking in the light, uh, in fact, uh, John says in these verses about the fact that uh, in, when you're in the light— uh, when you're in the truth of God's Word and God's will, uh, there will be no stumbling. Uh, just like, you know, when, when the sun comes out and it's a bright, sunshiny day, uh, you know where you're going. But if you um, get uh, outside on a dark night, especially a cloudy night, if it's uh, the moon's not out and, and it's very dark, you're going to stumble um, over some of the same places you could easily walk when you're in the light. So light always makes it easier to walk. Uh, and so what John says is there is no stumbling uh, when you're in the light. 
And so uh, when we know God's truth and God's Word, it's not going to trip us up. It's going to help us become all that we are called to be. And as individual believers are living in that light, then we're not going to be a stumbling block for them. Uh, again, these things are things that we could uh, talk about and delve into. Other places of Scripture uh, deal with this um, to, to a great degree. Paul talks much about this in, in his relationship. He says, I've become all things to all people so that I can save some. And that doesn't mean that Paul changed or compromised the gospel. It just simply means he says that I'm doing everything I can not to be a stumbling block. And if I have to sacrifice even some of my rights, uh, even some of my preferences, Paul says, I'm willing to do that. Uh, so that others can come to know Christ. I don't want to be a stumbling block. I don't want to be a cause of darkness uh, where they can't see the light. We should be shining, reflecting that light. So here, um, John is encouraging the church, uh, and he is uh, challenging the church to truly be committed uh, to this commandment that we've been given. It's nothing new, um, in the sense of this is the gospel, this has always been the gospel, this has always been a reflection of God's love, but it is new in the sense of being motivated by God's grace because of that personal relationship that we have with Him. And then verses 12 through 14, we're just going to take a minute or two to look at these, uh, this short little poem uh, that John includes here. Uh, and he talks about children, fathers, and young men, and, and he does that in that order two different times. He talks about children, uh, and then he uh, mentions fathers and young men. So when, when he's talking, and there's some debate over the exact meaning of these, um, but I think um, where I land on this uh, is that when he references the children, he's referencing the, the entire church. Uh, he is saying, my, my children, in fact, he did it earlier, chapter 2, verse 1, he says, my children, or my little children, um, my dear children. So uh, he, he references the church as those that are under his care. So he's saying, this is something that references the whole church, and then he references fathers and young men. And, and I believe this probably relates to uh, some of those that are more spiritually mature and some of those that are less spiritually mature. Uh, these things all apply to everybody. Um, but as you know Christ and follow Christ, you should be maturing in that faith and in that walk, and so you should hopefully have more than what a brand new believer would have. And so we're all on different stages, and, and we're all growing as we are being sanctified um, by God. So as we look at this and as we think about this here together, um, really the essence uh, of what he's saying here. You can read the exact words uh, for yourselves, but the main teaching of this poem is simply this. It's really a reminder to the church that their sins have been forgiven, uh, that they're not having to work for their salvation. Uh, they're not having to continually um, uh, try to earn God's favor and God's grace. Now, earlier he's already said, what we look at at the end of chapter 1, he says that, yes, even as believers, we're still sinful, we still fall short. So uh, we're going to deal with sin in our lives, and we need to confess that sin so that that sin can be cleansed from us. But we are not asking for forgiveness in order to be saved, but we ask for forgiveness because we are saved. Um, when we come to know him as, as our Lord and Savior. And that gives us a, a status, that gives us a, an, an assurance that we can truly live faithfully and fully for God. So he reminds them of their forgiven status uh, through the Son and the Father. He also reminds them of their knowledge of, of God uh, and, and who he is, of, of their relationship with, with the Son and with the Father. Uh, because of the Holy Spirit, John mentions it in his gospel, particularly in the last couple uh, chapters, uh, 13, 14, 15, and 16 of John's gospel, where he talks some about the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit. Uh, 
Some of those roles of the Holy Spirit is to comfort us, uh, to convict us, uh, to teach us, to remind us. Uh, and so uh, Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that when we have the Spirit in our lives, that we can understand things that people that don't have the Spirit. He talks about the spiritual man and the natural man. The natural man who is just living uh, in this life, in this world, doesn't understand the things of Scripture that only comes through the knowledge of uh, of the Holy Spirit, that when we accept Christ our Lord and Savior, we have that knowledge. So John here reminds them, you have a knowledge um, that comes through that relationship with uh, the Son and with the Father. Uh, and then he goes on to say that you also have power over the evil one. Uh, you don't have to be controlled by sin. You don't have to be controlled by Satan. Uh, there, there's a fairly popular statement. I don't hear it nearly as much as I used to hear it, uh, but some people would used to say, well, the devil made me do it. Well, that's an inaccurate statement. Uh, the devil cannot make you do anything. The devil can tempt you to do things, and he certainly knows how to make it look appetizing, pleasing, uh, and, and, and makes it like you something you want to do. He can tempt you to do something, but you choose to do it. Uh, and Scripture very clearly tells us, in fact, James tells us, Jesus' brother tells us in the letter that he wrote, um, he said that you can tell the Satan to flee. If you have the Holy Spirit in your life, you can tell Satan to flee from you, and he has to leave you. So you have power over the evil one uh, if you'll use it. Uh, again, it's not a, a given because we have to uh, engage that and trust in the Holy Spirit and, and work on that. So th that's the essence of that, that poem there. So what we have here in, the, in these verses, to sum these, these verses up here that we've looked at today, is that Christ followers need constant encouragement and reminders of who we are, and I think even more importantly of that, whose we are. The, the whose we are is more important than who we are because we are who we are because of whose we are. When we are Christ's servants, when we are uh, Christ's saved, um, that gives us a power and ability that, that others don't have. And so uh, that's whose we are. We, we are Christ followers, and that makes us who we are. So we need those constant reminders. And John is challenging the church, each and every Christ follower, to overcome this world, to not be enticed and deceived by the world. He reminds them of their relationship with the Father um, and what that can do for us. We need these same words of encouragement and reminders today for us in our lives. Appreciate you joining me today. I hope these words have been helpful and encouraging to you. Uh, I'll meet you back here again next Wednesday or whenever you listen to this and pray that uh, we, as we study God's Word, we'll grow in our faith and our service to Him. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now, and I thank you for the, these verses. I thank you for the truths that are revealed in, in these verses, uh, for John's relationship with you and your relationship with him, uh, for you giving him these words to write and you preserving these for us to read. Help us uh, to not just hear these words, but to heed these words, uh, to, to truly live for you uh, faithfully and fully this day and every day, to grow in that faith so that we can impact our world with your loving grace. It's in Christ's most holy name that we pray. Amen.